0: Hello and welcome to State of Crime. One state, two murders, lots and lots of crime. With Kaylin and Elena. Hi. Hi. <laughs> we were just talking, it's been a rough day. I know we've said that a lot at the we start have. of ours, and I and I don't feel like we're alone. Like I feel like everyone I've talked to in the past, I can't even put a timeline on it anymore. Yes. I just feel like the universe is out of whack. <laughs> the universe is retrograde and we all need to work on it. I don't yeah, know. I don't know. And, and I think our cases this week are going to show that as well, at least. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Ones. I
1: also think it's kind of good that we come in here and we're not all like cheery and.
0: That's <laughs> <Fake. laughs> true because it's like what we're talking about is pretty bleak. Yeah, maybe that's it. Maybe we get into this mindset as we prepare our cases, and then maybe and that's... not
1: to mention the amount that we do talk about like mental health and stuff. It's that's never true. good, especially for the people when we talk about that and the people who listen for us to just be like. Oh, everything's perfect all the True. time.
0: Yeah. And that's definitely not the case. Definitely not. So, well, and I honestly think that we need to do a lot of restructuring about what we call I feel like there's a lot of pressure to always be happy and and I really do feel like that is a more modern sort of thing. <clears throat> this idea that, you know, like the living your best life all the time is just ridiculous. Yeah. That's way too much pressure for us to put on ourselves. Yeah. And I feel like we should all be living our mediocre life. And, and just, do you know what I mean? Like, right. we really do need to learn to, I don't know, like, just not put so much pressure on ourselves and other people. Yeah. So. But anyway, so I, I feel like those are all good things to do too.
1: Yeah. So. But, and you just brought this up a couple, a, a minute ago. Um, we were really excited because our, Idaho case that we had covered on Scott Riggs that we've getting, given a few updates on. We were both very excited because it was... Yes. he His new trial was supposed to start on June 6th. Yep. June 6th comes around and nothing happens. And then you and I are both trying to figure out what happened and still we don't know. All we know is that there was a tiny little snippet in our Mountain Home newspaper that said the Scott Riggs murder trial that was scheduled for June sixth has been postponed. The cause for the cancellation has not been given and a new date has not been set at this time. Ugh. It makes me so angry. Me too. And a lot of people didn't know that this was supposed to happen.
0: No, it's been kept very, very hush hush. Mm-hmm. You know, and even the blurb in the paper, because I, I took the I took a photo and sent it to Kaylin when I saw it, was I want to say at the very back, you know, it wasn't yeah. even a big prominent place. Like, because this is a, you know, we're a small
1: town. This is big. This is huge. And yeah, it's just, <sighs>
0: I'm very frustrated Yeah, with so this, am I. So.
1: The only reason I knew about it was because I had a spy <laughs> who happened to get called in for jury duty. She didn't get selected, but... Um, she did come back and let me know. She's like, by the way, these are the trial dates. I was like, great, thank you. <laughs> but other than that, we haven't heard anything about it since the mistrial was announced. Yeah, so
0: it'll we'll have to just, I guess, wait and see what happens. Yeah, I don't know. but so, Which is, again, something we've talked about a lot in our cases is how much we hate... When it drags on and on and Yes. And I mean we're well past a year now mm-hmm. of this murder and he's still sitting in jail almost, and...
1: almost two years because it was August of twenty seventeen. Oh my God, has it really been that
0: long? Mm-hmm. Wow. So ugh.
1: Yeah. I don't this like is it. Me off. Yeah. Anyway, so last week we didn't tell you where we were going this week. <laughs> <laughs> and I said it as soon as we quit. As soon as we stopped recording, I was like, oh, well, we forgot that. So I guess this week's going to be a surprise for y'all. But we're
0: actually going to a neighboring state. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and in fact, Missouri and Kansas actually share a city, as many people know. So we didn't move too far in our location. But um, I thought Kansas, this was interesting for me because. You know, I think a lot of us, when we think of Kansas, we think Midwest and wholesomeness and, you know, everything's groovy and that sort of a thing. And when I started doing my research for the murders, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is the (laughs) home of like the Clutter family murders, which, you know, was made very infamous by Truman Capote's book, In True Blood. There's been a lot of coverage of it. BTK killer, Kansas. Um, A lot of people actually, well, not a lot, but there's a strong movement in history that in many ways the Civil War actually began in Kansas because that's where the earliest fighting about slavery broke out. Um, There's, you know, it earned it. Kansas had the nickname Bleeding Kansas. And somehow that just kind of carried through very nicely in history because, like I said, I was... Just, I was amazed at how many, not just the number of murders that are associated with this state, but just how gruesome and creepy they are, too. Yeah. Like, and like I said, you know, um, I'm assuming most people are at least familiar with the Clutter family from In True Blood. It's been covered on a lot of podcasts. Kaylin's putting her hands up in the air. I have
1: no idea what she's talking about. And and
0: BTK. Oh, oh yeah. That case still freaks me out.
1: The fact that he got away with it for so long. Yes. Well, he just went underground and got married and had a family. Like, what the hell? And they caught him because they tracked his computer, his church computer that he was using. Like, what? Well, he
0: stopped so long. And then it's like, hey, I think I'll start doing this again. Like, what the hell? Exactly.
1: I don't understand. Oh no. If you guys don't know anything about the BTK killer, you should definitely look him up. Oh yeah. I believe his name his real name is I don't even Den... know. Yeah. And is his it Dennis Rader is Yeah, that and his,
0: his daughter name? actually just has put out a bunch of information, you know, about being the daughter of yeah. a serial killer and having no idea and, and things yeah, like his that. His
1: name so. is uh Dennis Rader. There you go. That's yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay, I so know. I was right on that. But yeah. yeah that one is fucking nuts it is so if you haven't heard of that definitely look that one up he's he's terrifying uh-huh and he is creepy looking
0: oh god yeah Yeah. so Mm
1: -mm. um so i
0: went i actually found my own case this week so i did not we are we i know well cheryl gave you your case she did
1: so. Uh, so i haven't even i didn't even get a chance to look for any cases and I, because I was procrastinating, per usual, <laughs> and we got a suggestion from Cheryl, who we, we've talked about her quite a bit, and... Because we love her. <laughs> and it was funny, because we didn't mention last week the state we were uh-uh. going to, and she was just, like, through this case. This well, because it had us. the tide of Missouri. Yeah. mm -hmm. And so she just like threw this case at us and I was like, this is great. I don't have to go looking for one. Thank you. Yes, but I did. And I actually found
0: one that combines both my love of history and also my German background. So yes, you want to talk about not allowing immigration in this country. This case would be a poster child for that. So um I'm doing the Bloody Benders, whom I'd actually, like, way long time ago saw, you know, one of the true crime TV shows did a piece on them, and they're just one of those. There's a lot of information out there about them. They're... um like Evil Kin did an episode. There's a whole movie about them that's on YouTube. I watched like just the first few minutes. It's available for free, so you can check that out. And um, the Bloody Benders are often also called America's First Serial Killer Family. And we have a nice little connection to Little House on the Prairie that I'll come back to towards the end of my case. Okay. um, To start off with, they're not really a family, or at least not completely. So... We have four people involved here: John Bender, often John Senior. He's sixty. Kate, whom I saw in some sources, was forty-two, and then another one said she was fifty-five. So that is a large jump <laughs> in age. I know. I'm thinking. I don't know. I don't. Yeah, I, I'm not what, sure. What year was this? Um, they first pop on the scene in 1870, but I okay. think most of the murders take place. Between 1871 and 1873. Okay. I
1: was just getting like the time frame. Yeah. So because we've talked about how the things. Right. Especially once you go out of the 1900s into the 1800s. All documentation is just.
0: Crazy. Yeah. Out of whack.
1: And especially
0: for women for some reason. Um, there's John Jr. who's 25 and Kate Jr. who's 22.
1: Okay.
0: So you know the names are nice and matchy. Mm-hmm. Um, probably. Um, John Sr. and Kate probably were married, or at least living as husband and wife. Okay. Um, the only two people we have who are actually blood-related are probably Kate Sr. and Kate Jr. They are actually mother and daughter. Okay. Um, most sources say that the guy who was known as John Jr. was actually the younger Kate's husband. That they were not, in fact, brother and sister. And yeah, that's weird. Yeah, that they were actually a married couple, you know, and because you have the mother daughter team, they probably are at the heart of this. And a lot of stuff about the murderers is very closely associated with the younger Kate. Again, I'm going to say that's kind of like a couple of weeks ago I was talking about, you know, the Lucrezia Borgia sort of a thing mm-hmm. where you have a young, attractive woman. It's, you know, then people just kind of throw everything on her. Yeah. Because there's probably more than enough blame here to go around. So, um, so this story begins, as does so much of American history, with the forcible removal of Native Americans from their land. So, we start off with, I believe it's pronounced the Osage Indians, living in Le, what's going to become Libeto County in what is now Kansas. Okay. And, as is so often the case, you know, they are forcibly removed, in case this case they were sent to Oklahoma, which is a lot of people probably know, Oklahoma
1: was for much of its history just called Indian Territory because that was what it was supposed to be. You know, on a happy note, the only thing that comes to my mind anytime the word Oklahoma is said is the musical <laughs> and I start singing Oklahoma yeah. in my head.
0: Yeah. Well, it's also, you know, haha, the last I don't know, one of the great lies we also told to the first nations people in this country. So, um but anyway, so they are forcibly removed, this area of Kansas is opened up in October of 1870. Five families of spiritualists. So the spiritualism movement was quite big in America. Mm
1: -hmm. And this
0: was, you know, the belief in psychics and, you know, faith faith healing, but not Christian-wise, but psychic-wise. And, you know, seances were very, very popular. So there are five families of spiritualists who together move and settle into western Lebec County. Okay. And one of these families was the two men, John Sr. and Jr., who register 160 acres, which I believe was you know kind of the standard plot at the time. And they immediately build a cabin, dig a well, you know, do those sorts of things. And then later in the fall of 1871, the two Cates arrive. So here's the family set up. Okay. okay. Now, according to most sources of the time, John Sr. spoke almost no English and spoke mostly German, which wasn't that unusual, especially for somebody who was an older when they immigrated. So um, Kate Sr., who I'm just going to call Ma after this, and I'm going to call John Sr. Pa, that's how they were often referred to within a lot of the documents, and I think just to keep things...
1: And, yeah, with them having all the same names, it's just easier that way. Yeah. Although Ma had
0: another nickname. She was also called She-Devil by her neighbors. I mean, we (laughs) haven't gotten there yet, but I'm sure it's fitting. Yes. Well, she was, uh, uh, by all accounts, she was just incredibly mean. Everyone who had any interaction with her said she was very, very mean. She was also presumed to speak almost no English, although that later turned out to be a lie. She spoke English fluently. And then, like I said, we have the younger Benders as well. And of these Benders, um, all of them spoke German and all of them spoke English with German accents. However, the only two who were actually born outside of the country were the two men. And I, I'll get into that in a little bit as well. Um, by all accounts, John Bender Jr., he was actually described as being you know, a handsome man, He was actually friendly. He would walk around. He laughed a lot. So some people kind of thought maybe he wasn't all there. And then Kate Jr. uh, claimed to be psychic. She said she could cure illnesses, held seances with people. She actually traveled to local towns giving lectures on spiritualism and free love. Mm. La la. And there were even some reports that she may have actually worked as a prostitute. That the Bender family once they were all together they set up their cabin they put up a canvas partition and the front part was a store and kind of an inn where they allowed people to spend the night and then behind the canvas was supposedly the family's private living quarters and according to a lot of the reports that I read if you paid extra you got to spend the night with Kate so again If that's true at the time, if this is stuff that comes out afterwards, I don't really know. Yeah. So John Sr., we don't really know exactly where he was born. They say he was born either in Germany or Holland. And, you know, those borders kind of moved a lot, too, especially in the 1800s. His real name was John Flickinger. Ma, however, was born in the Adirondack Mountains here in the United States, Now, she had previously been married to a man named George Griffith, with whom she had, are you ready for this? 12 children. Jesus! (laughs) That is a lot of children. (laughs) And again, for the time, that's not completely unheard of. Um, Allegedly, George meets a tragic end, by all accounts, by getting smashed in the head from head injuries. We don't Do we know? Know, I we don't know for sure, but probably a great big hammer, because that's gonna come into our story okay. here in Kansas. And according to whatever, I don't know how they, you know, documented this, she had many husbands after George.
1: And I'm sure they're all dead.
0: And they all died from head injuries. Okay. Yeah. There was also some stories I found that she very likely killed her oldest three children so that they could not testify against her in the death of their father and Jeez. maybe others as well. So Kate, the younger, was actually Ma's fifth child from this marriage to George Griffith, and she was born Kate Griffith.
1: So she just joined in, so the mom didn't have to kill her, so she did not testify? <laughs> yeah, I'm not
0: exactly, She's like, just... how and why. Do you know what I mean, these two paired up? Yeah. There's a lot, again, this is a historical case, so there's, for me, as many questions as answers. I don't know if maybe some of the books out there or the movie can fill those in for people, but I didn't find it in my research. Um, And as I said, many people believe that this younger Kate and the younger John were actually man and wife. And John Jr. was born John Gebhardt. And like I said, he too was born in Germany, but that's all I really know about him. so. So as I said, the Bender's Cabin was partitioned with a large canvas with living quarters in the back and a small inn and store in the front. Now, where this was located, they were on what was known as the Osage Trail. Okay. Which not, while not as famous as like, you know, the Oregon Trail, was still a major thoroughfare for people who are what we would call pioneers or, you know, moving. So, that they would often stop at the store to pick up provisions and things like that, maybe spend the night. Um, from almost the get-go, from the time that they settled in and opened up this inn and store, people start to go missing. Now, at the time, that wasn't incredibly strange because you have you know, a lot of people who head out on the trail they're last seen picking up provisions somewhere, and then they just disappear. You know, and of course we know know, disease got a lot of people, uh, you know, Native Americans, random murder, you know, all kinds of things happened. So, it's not that unusual, but by the spring of 1873, there have been enough of these that are tied to this particular family that the town calls a meeting. And in fact, there's a couple of disappearances that really start things off. So, at this meeting of um, the Osage Township, there are 75 people, including both John Benders. So they did attend. Um, at that time, 10 people were missing, including, and this is the person who, that seems to kind of be their downfall, a doctor named William H. York. And so all the attendees there were like, you can search our property. We didn't do anything to him, kind of a thing. Go ahead, you know, search my place. Everybody except...
1: The Benders.
0: The Benders. And a few days later after this meeting, there's a man named Billy Toll, who is a neighbor to the Benders. And he notices that there's been nothing going on at their cabin, their animals have not been fed. So they go over and look around and realize that there's nothing in the cabin. Everything that they own is gone.
1: They're just up and left.
0: They up and left, left the animals behind. When they walk into the cabin, they do notice there's a horrible stench. So they find a trap door in the floor of the cabin, which, again, that's not unusual. A lot of people had cold cellars or, you know, had those for safety from tornadoes. This, of course, is Wizard of Oz country, so not that unusual, but it's been nailed shut, and that is a little weird. So they pry it open and find... Bodies. Nothing. Ah, damn. (laughs) Except a lot of clotted blood everywhere, and that's where this this horrible stench is coming from. So you're not totally wrong.
1: Okay, I I don't know. I feel like this is just like vaguely familiar to me and I don't know why.
0: You've pro- I'm not kidding. I think if you watch a lot of true crime shows, this has been covered on so many. And I've heard it even on several podcasts that I listen to. So it's one of those, like I said, this is a pretty well-known case. Yeah. So, Um, they eventually just pick up the whole cabin and move it to one side, which wasn't that hard to do back then. And again, they find nothing. So they begin to dig, especially in the orchard and the garden where they notice that there are some suspicious, you know, patches of earth
1: Mm -hmm. that
0: have been, look suspicious. And they find Dr. William H. York. He has been buried head downward with his feet barely covered. And when they get the body out, they notice his skull has been bashed in and his throat has been slit from ear to ear.
1: Jesus!
0: So they continue to dig. They find nine other bodies and lots of body parts. Now, I was not able to find out, like, exactly how many people they are responsible for murdering. Okay. Murderpedia put it at 11 plus. Okay. Many of the other sources I read said 12, but there were some of these bodies they were able to identify. There were some that they were not. And I'm not sure that they were able to assign all the body parts to bodies. Does Oy. that make sense? Yeah. So... Um, Amongst the bodies, they find that of a woman, and she, and also a little girl, who was probably about eight.
1: Sad.
0: It gets worse with the little girl. Oh, dear. So almost all of the bodies that they found had been bashed in the head and then had their throats slit. Mm -hmm. The little girl didn't seem to have any injuries that were bad enough to have caused her death, and they think... She may have been buried alive.
1: Oh, that is a, one of my biggest fears.
0: I know. And that's one of the things like, you know, we've already talked about how horrific it is, you know, to deal with a child murder. And then this is just Mm, awful, mm -hmm. awful. Mm -mm. So they nicknamed this place Hell's Half Acre with good cause. Yes. Um, so the, what had happened is Dr. York's brother was a lawyer and a state senator in Independence, Kansas. All right? He offered a $1,000 reward for finding this family. A couple days later, on the 17th of May, the governor of Kansas added $2,000 additional as a reward, which well.
1: is now not a whole—I mean, a couple well, thousand dollars isn't no, a whole lot of money but now. $3, but like three
0: thousand dollars in then, 1873 was a lot of yeah. money. So, um, so the news, of course, spreads just well, yes. because of the nature of how horrible these these murders are, and as we've talked before, people are kind of gross. Very quickly, the cabin was completely ripped apart. By people who had traveled all the way from, like, New York State. I mean, had traveled incredible distances to visit. And then they took souvenirs. So the cabin is pretty much dismantled. Ugh, the bricks is... the bricks in the basement that were covered in blood that caused the smell, they're all gone.
1: What? And, I mean, it's not the first time we've heard... Actually, it's not the first time you and I have talked about no. it. Because that episode mm-hmm. that we did didn't get put out. But... It, that is bonkers. Yeah. I don't... I mean, I understand because when Maria was here last, I believe, we talked about... Going to the, the murder, murder museum, museum. And I would love to do that. But something like <laughs> this... Where you actually take it from the site. That is a good way to get haunted. Some of the... Some of the... Whoever owns that blood... That is on those bricks is probably haunting haunted. the bitches well, that stole it. And there were some sources I found that claimed that this area
0: is haunted. But again, Holy United States is built on a haunted burial ground. Of you know, <laughs> there's enough to go around that right. we've got a lot of haunting. Don't, so uh, I know. Oh, okay. Continue. Sorry. All right. <laughs> so over time, the story is pieced together that visitors would often stop. They would order a meal, and they would be told to sit with their back to this canvas. Very often, the younger Kate, who, like we said, was attractive, had psychic abilities, supposedly, would flirt and talk to the person as they were eating their meal. You're nodding. Now this is coming back Uh, to you. Yep, it's all clicking. Yes. And either both John Sr. and John Jr. or one or the other would supposedly stand behind the canvas with one of those big heavy Hammer, like a sledgehammer, okay. not like hammer or nail in yes. the wall sort of thing, would smash the person in the head. They would then rifle through, steal all the valuables from the body, push him in the hole through this trap door, and then slit the throat. Okay. And for some reason, their hypothesis was that the younger Kate did most of this, which I have no idea why. They
1: jumped to that conclusion. It seems odd to me, but... I feel like if they were to jump to any conclusion on one person doing the majority of the work, I would jump to the moth. Right. Because Kate was... I mean, she was at this time, she was, what, 22? Is that what you said? Mm -hmm. But her... Ma's ex-husband, she what had five husbands and well, up we dead? don't know
0: how many. Well, yeah. That I I couldn't find an exact number. But like I said, we know the younger Kate's father was very likely murdered by the mother yeah. with a suspicious head injury. There'd been reports of other husbands meeting the same fate. Yeah. Supposedly three of her older siblings had been killed.
1: Yeah, so, so yeah, it's it's a strange that's weird that they would try to jump to th- through. Blame it Mm -hmm. on the younger Kate, I would blame it on the older Kate. But I don't know anything, apparently.
0: So, what had led to this downfall of them being discovered? And again, they weren't active for that long. Mm -hmm. You know, they first show up in 1870. Like I said, I think the women don't show up until 1871, and now we're in the spring of 1873. But in the winter of 1872, a guy named Longcore and his daughter, one source claimed she was an infant headed to Iowa from Independence, Kansas. And on their way, they stopped here, and then, of course, they were never heard from again. Of course. I'm not sure what Dr. William York's tie was to this man, but, and his infant daughter, but in the spring of 1873, he came looking specifically for them. And that's when he was murdered, and that's what leads to everything. Now, um, one of the things they pointed out, too, was that throughout this like two-and-a-half, three-year time span, what they managed to steal from people, one source said it was $4,600 in total, like a couple teams of horses, a mule, but it wasn't like something that was going to make them crazy, crazy rich for the rest of their lives. And there was a lot of supposition that they actually enjoyed the killing, and it was just liking doing it, that that was the main motivation, and that the theft was just kind of a side thing, rather than it being being about robbing people, and then the murder was the side thing. So, um After they're caught, a couple of people who claimed that they had fled and survived came forward. One was a Catholic priest who said he went in and he just felt bad, you know, he got a bad vibe, so he left. Another dude claimed that when they tried to set him with his back to the canvas, he said the canvas was horribly stained, so he refused to sit there and he ended up leaving. I don't know how much I believe those stories. Do you know what I'm saying? So, I mean, if this canvas looks so awful, why were people sitting there ever? And why didn't you ever talk about this beforehand? Mm -hmm. But anyway, um, the big thing is we don't know where they ended up. They just disappear. They're never heard from again. There were some suppositions out there that possibly they split up and the younger ones ended up in Mexico and the older ones went north. Um, There was a source out there that said maybe vigilantes did catch up with them and just quietly dispatched them and then kept it
1: quiet. I feel like that would not be the case if there was $3,000 on the line.
0: Me too. Yeah, I don't believe that either. Yeah, no. Um, And... What had led, I, I didn't really finish their story about their downfall. So, when Dr. William York disappeared, he had a brother, like we said, who was a state senator. He had another brother who was a colonel, and the colonel had actually also come out to the cabin to try to find him because that was the last reported sighting of him. And he also had gotten a little bit suspicious, so that might have also spurred the meeting that they had in the Osage Township that led to the subsequent events of them being discovered. Now, as for the Little House on the Prairie connections, as we now know, Laura Ingalls Wilder wasn't exactly always truthful in her books about her family's experiences. And there's been a lot. There was a book that came out last year, and of course I can't remember the title of it, and I believe it even won the Pulitzer Prize, at the very least, it was nominated, Okay. and it shows that, you know, she didn't always tell the truth, and in fact, her daughter, um, who was the, her only child, who's Laura Ingalls Wilder's only child, actually had a pretty sad and troubled life, and had a lot of issues with mental illness, and a lot of difficulties. So, <clears throat> in 1937, Laura Ingalls Wilder was at the Detroit Book Fair. And while she was there, she described several narrow run-ins between her father, Charles, and the Benders. And in fact, it is true that they lived not too far from where the Bender family murders happened. But there's absolutely no evidence that there was any sort of interaction interaction between them. She even claimed, and I guess she wrote this... And it appeared in a much later version of the book, Prairie Girl. She claimed that at one point she was at home and a bunch of people came to the door and grabbed Pa and told him that the vigilantes had been ca- uh, called out to hunt the benders and that her dad, you know, geared up and went out to help find them. And everybody say that says that's probably not true, that she was yeah. just kind of trying to ride the coattails of this infamous chapter of Kansas history. Huh. So that's the tale of the benders. Like I said, there's a lot of information out there that I didn't include just because I'm not sure exactly how historical all of it is. Mm-hmm. I am going to check out the movie on YouTube just cause I want to see how they piece it together. But. So
1: I feel like I've heard a version of this story mm-hmm. And I used to listen to, there were a couple of podcasts that I listened to a lot that I feel like, if memory is serving me correct, one of these two is where I heard a version of this, which was either lore or unexplained. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure which one it would be, but I feel like one of them covered a version of this. I feel like there were a lot of details that were different, but, huh. That's nuts.
0: Yeah, it's a crazy story. And I wouldn't be surprised. And like I said, even I, as I was reading online, as is always my frustration when I do these historical cases, you know, I don't know how scholarly (laughs) a lot of approaches are when they tell these tales. You know what I mean? And even at the time, you know, we talk about tabloid journalism. It's always been with us. And so even at the time, like I said, the whole thing about... The younger Kate that you know you could pay extra to stay with her for the night, you know those sorts of things. I I have a feeling were probably tacked on later. Yeah. So, um, just as another way to you know this is how bad they were. Yeah. Kind of a thing. So it's it's hard to know for sure, but
1: huh? Creepy, t- creepy story. Creepy story. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Don't let Germans immigrate. They're dangerous. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah, so. Um, yeah, I guess that's it for this, yeah, this episode. So. And I'm really excited to hear the one that Cheryl's saying. I, I did not let myself do any more research. I was good. Did you watch the video? Nope, that she- nope. I read the little bit that she said, the little tagline that was super intriguing. I was like, ooh, that's crazy. And when I started my research, that case, you know how like when you do murders and you put in the state almost every one of them. It's like top ten murders in your state and then it was on there. So again I just looked at the blurb. I was like, nope, that's I'm sure I know Kaylin's doing that. So
1: I just moved on. I think it's crazy and Cheryl said this too when she sent it to us that it's not widely known. No, and I so I'm excited. Yeah me too. So well thanks for listening. If you have any suggestions, please we love suggestions. Yes. It makes our decision process on, <laughs> on picking cases a lot easier. So if you have any suggestions, you can email us at stateofcrimepodcast at gmail.com or just message the page on Facebook. Make sure you like our page on Facebook. Yes. Join our discussion group and come chit-chat with us. There's a lot of really funny memes on there that people are posting. <laughs> There's been some great stuff. And I so. appreciate every single one of them. Me too. Um, check out our Instagram. I actually posted something last week for Instagram. Way to go. Yay. I know. I, just one. I meant to do both both episodes, <laughs> but I didn't. Just one. I haven't
0: been on the Twitter, so yeah, I'm sorry. So,
1: I mean, you can check out our Twitter, too, and come yell at us. Maybe yeah, there pay more go. attention to it there. Yeah. So, and if you are listening on an Apple product, make sure you rate and review us. It helps us a lot. And we appreciate all of the rate and reviews, no matter what you rate it. And we appreciate all of you who take the time to listen and contact
0: us. And thank you very much. See you next time.